just grace. When people talk about uh, tithing and that they don't want to tithe, what they tend to tell you is that tithing is part of the covenant. It's part of the Old Testament. It's part of the law. And so we've been set free from the law. And so because we're under the dispensation of grace, we don't longer live under the law. So because I don't live under the law, I don't have to tithe. That's what they say. The problem is that tithing predates the law. See, the law is given to Moses. Come on, go back to Sunday school with me. The law was given to Moses. Y'all remember, come on. Moses brought his people out of Egypt land. Y'all know, come on, not Egypt, but Egypt land. Yeah, Egypt land. Y'all didn't learn those songs in, in, in Sunday school and YPWW, come on. And so when he brought his people out of Egypt land, and remember they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Y'all remember this stuff, right? Yeah, well, well, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, God gave him the stone tablets. You remember that? But Moses got mad and broke the tablets and, and came back and had to chisel new tablets. Y'all remember this stuff, right? All right, so the law was given to Moses, and after he got the Ten Commandments, then Moses, through God, or, or God through Moses, expounded upon how do they live as a nation. So we get books like Leviticus and Deuteronomy helping us detail what it means to live as a, a people set apart for God's use. That's great. That's the law. That's Moses. But, 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 but tithing as a principle shows up generations before Moses was ever born. If you go all the way back to Abraham, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. That, that Abraham gave a tenth to Melchizedek before Moses was even born. So the concept of tithing, the concept of giving 10% to someone when you understood that God had blessed you, that God had delivered you, that God had done great things for you, it predates the law. So if it predates the law, and if you believe that Jesus Christ came and abolished the law, then it doesn't mean that tithing gets abolished because tithing was before the law existed. Not to mention you've got to brush up and, and sharpen up on your Bible skills because Jesus did not abolish the law. He fulfilled the law. There's a difference. There's a difference. So, so the first thing we want to say is that, is that tithing is Old Testament. That, that oh my God, that, that went away with the law. But you've got to remember that, that this was not about the law. Tithing as a principle existed before the law. And tithing as a principle existed after the law. So you can't abolish tithing just because the law was, quote unquote, abolished. Uh Oh, it's already having problems. It's having problems already. So is your argument. Argument number two is an argument from absence. This means that, and, and this one and the third one will go kind of hand in hand, but this second argument says that the New Testament does not mention tithing at all. So not only is, is, is tithing abolished because it was part of the Old Testament, but the New Testament doesn't speak to tithing at all. And since the New Testament doesn't speak to tithing at all, then there's no reason for us to tithe as the New Testament church. That would be cute if it were not for the passage we just read. In the passage we just read, let me exegete what happens in the passage. Jesus is going off on the Pharisees because what he's saying is that the Pharisees, not only do they tithe of their major income, but he says that y'all tithe of mint and rue. And these are like basically small little herbs in the garden. So not only are they tithing off of their large crop, but they are tithing off of every little penny. 
And he's saying that you should do that. But the problem is you've done that and you've forgotten about justice and mercy. Are you with me? In other words, you've got this thing down to the letter, down to the penny. You tithe off of everything. If somebody give you five dollars to go get something to eat, you give five cents off. You tithe off of everything. But in the midst of that, you do all the churchy stuff good. You like the seats on the platform. You like it when they invite you up on the platform. You like it when people stop you in the marketplace and say, oh, pastor, oh, bishop, oh, missionary, oh, evangelist. You like all of that stuff. And you love it. You love it so much that you do all of that. But you neglect having justice and mercy. You don't know what it is to just love somebody just because. You tithe real good, but you don't know how to love your neighbor. You're giving a great big offering to the building fund, but you don't know how to be nice to nobody. You're writing big checks to the church, but your attitude is stank. You come in and you want everybody to see you. In the aisle. Stand up on the end of your seat and on everybody on the end of the aisle. Stand up and... I'm sorry. You want everybody to see you giving, giving the hundred dollars and, and the two hundred. You want people to call your name. You, you write your check and then run it up on the platform so somebody can call your name out so you can feel big and you can feel grand. But in the midst of that, you go right outside to your car and walk past homeless people and don't say a doggone word. You want people to call your name, but you're not concerned about anybody else other than you and your family. And so Jesus is saying you're wrong and you own your way to a really hot place. In other words, he's saying, your money doesn't save you. Hear me now, you can't get saved by how much you give. We're never going to operate in this church under giving from, from manipulation. Ain't nobody in here, I'm not promising you no Bentley. I'm not promising you a $30 million. I'm not promising you the publisher's clearinghouse. Although, that's kind of cute now, the $5,000 a week for the rest of your life. And then for somebody, that's kind of cute. I kind of like that. I'm just saying. I'm not promising you you're going to hit the lottery. I'm not promising you you're going to have a Vegas anointing over your life. The devil is a lie. <laughs> but I am promising you this. That if you obey God, you put yourself in position to receive everything that God has for you. So no, money can't save you, but money can displace you. You missed it. Tate, Tate, do me a favor. Cut, cut off the sides. Cut off, cut off the two over here and the three over here. Uh, Cofield, do me a favor, hit them two light switches down for me. The two that are up. Money does not save me. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But when I am tithing and giving generously of my money, thank you, I'm in the position for God's light to shine on me and through me. So money doesn't save me, but when I am stingy with my money, it displaces me. It moves me out of the place where God has set aside for me. And now I'm not able to receive everything that God had for me because I'm not in position. So it's not like I tithe because I think I'm going to hell. Come on, loose here. I tithe because tithing places me in the position to receive what God has for me. 
And if this is the place that God has designated for my thriving, then why would I be a fool and go run over into the darkness and try to figure out life on my own? Give me the lights back again. I'm sorry. Give me, give me the lights back up. There's no reason for us to try to argue with God. God has already said, if you tithe, I'm placing you in a position for me to pour out my spirit and for you to walk in overflow. But if you move the place where I'm pouring out, it doesn't mean that God stopped pouring out. It means that you moved your cup. And we have too many Christians running around with empty, bare, dry cups. And we're mad at God because we feel like God is not pouring out. It's not that God is not pouring out. We just move positions. So don't tell me that the New Testament doesn't talk about tithing. Jesus' entire point, he says this literally. You should tithe. Just don't forget to do justice and mercy too. You should be giving. You should be tithing. Just don't forget the other stuff, too. Argument number three. Argument number three is the New Testament church. This is my favorite one. This is my favorite one. We don't tithe because, all right, pastor, reverend, one book report away from doctor. (laughs) It's a big book report, but it's a book report. Amen. (laughs) Because Jesus spoke about it, I'll go with you. Jesus spoke about it. But pastor, there's not one instance throughout the entirety of the post-gospel New Testament that gives an instance of tithing. In other words, outside of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when we go into the books that are either the history of the church in the book of Acts or the epistles written to churches in Romans throughout the rest of the Bible, there is not, there is not an instance of tithing anywhere else other than the mention of Abraham and Melchizedek. There's no instance, there's no, there's no example of the church tithing. Matter of fact, pastor, got some passages for you. Go to, uh, and these are not in order, uh, Nico, I'm sorry. Go to 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 8. So, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Keep going. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Ah, glory. So go back to the previous verse, verse 7. So everyone, pastor, is supposed to give as they purpose in their heart. So there is no tithing. That would be cute. And, And if we believed in memory verses, that would work. The problem is we believe in language, context, and culture. That you've got to at least read the entire context of that passage. And if you read the entire context of the passage, you'll find out that Paul had gone around and asked the other churches outside of Jerusalem to give an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. This was a benevolent offering. It was not an offering that was going to help that local church. It was an offering that these churches were sending to another church that was in trouble. So he says, I, want, I don't want to manipulate you into giving. I just want you to give as God has placed it upon your heart. So that scripture has nothing to do with supporting your local church. 
It has everything to do with how you give to missions and, and to benevolence and other charitable work. Yeah, you can give as the Lord puts it on your heart. Nobody's going to manipulate you into that. Give as God puts it on your heart. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse one. He elaborates. He says, I really don't need to write to you about the ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago when I first wrote y'all. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you are really as you really are ready as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. So in 1 Corinthians, I was reminding you about it. In 2 Corinthians, they're coming to get your money, so make sure you didn't make me no fool. Make sure you didn't make me look crazy. Y'all said y'all had a wonderful, y'all had raised your little telethon money. (laughs) Make sure y'all ready to give it when I get there. He says, verse number 5, So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready, but I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Verse 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Uh Uh-oh. See, so you took that one verse, God loves a cheerful giver, and said, I can give whatever I want to give. He's not talking about supporting your local church. He's talking about giving to poor Christians on the other side of the world. If you want to give to to United Negro College Fund, you want to give to whatever, you can give as the Lord puts it on your heart. But when it comes to you supporting your local church, you don't get to just give as you decide. Because you don't get to decide the decision was made for you. Pastor, you still didn't tell me that there was a a mention in the book, in in, in the New Testament about how we're supposed to tithe. You're right. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. There is no mention, there's no record where Paul said, bring me your tithe. But there is another way that we see the New Testament church supporting their local congregation. Some of you that have been around a while, y'all already know where this is headed. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And all those who had believed were together and had all things common. And they began selling their property and possessions. And we're sharing them with all as anyone might have need. They literally sold their stuff and brought the proceeds and the money to the church. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. Verse 37. And those who owned attractive land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Y'all know this is the part I like. So, for those of you who are strict biblical literists, meaning you take the word of God literally, everything it says, that the Lord say jump, you mean jump that moment. Okay, let me help you. The New Testament church They got together, sold all of their possessions, brought all the money to the church and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then the church started one account and took care of everybody. Leonka, 
I've been doing this for 12 years. Never. Never, ever, never, never. I'm 44 now. I started preaching when I was about 19, 20. Never, ever, ever, never. (laughs) Wow. I've never seen it done. So, So it seems to me that in the New Testament, we're given two options on how to support the local church. Not how to do missions, not how to do charitable giving, but how to support the local church. We're given two options. Jesus said you ought to tithe, and then Paul and Peter and them, they sold, the, the apostles, the church sold all their possessions and brought their money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I give you two choices. You, get, you got two options. And matter of fact, this, you know, the Lord ain't democratic. We're going to vote today. <laughs> business meeting was last week. It was last Tuesday, but we'll do business meeting real quick. Business meeting real quick. All those that want to sell all their possessions and bring their money. And bring the money here, and we live like a, a commune, and, and everybody, the church takes care of everybody. First of all, let me say as a footnote, I don't want to be responsible for taking care of Lianca. <laughs> I don't want to take care of Lianca and Leo. <laughs> I got enough issues on my own. <laughs> all those that want to sell all their stuff and bring it to the church, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it, right? All right. So, so your only other option then, by, by necessity, is tithing. That's it. The New Testament doesn't give you, it's, it's not Burger King. You don't, you don't get a menu of things to choose from. There are two ways it's done in the Bible, in the New Testament. Either you continue tithing, as Jesus said we ought to do, but make sure that we're still showing love and mercy. Or we do like they did in the book of Acts and we sell everything and we live as a, as a socialist commune. I don't see people doing that. So you only have one other option. It's tithing. Polo table. Polo tink tink. Let me throw my last one at you real quick and we're going to get out of here. Number four is the teachings of Jesus. And, and this one I have to be honest about. Um, one of the major points that we, um, that we have to be um, honest and transparent about is that Jesus doesn't talk a whole lot about tithing. We have to be honest about that. Jesus does not set forth an entire theology and doctrine for tithing. 100, yeah, you're right. Here's the other thing. There are several issues that we can think of that Jesus does not verbally, literally address. The fact that in three years of ministry, with all of the things that Jesus thought he had to speak to, the fact that he found room to speak to tithing also tells me something. I don't get to dismiss the parts of the Bible that are difficult for me just because I don't like them. I don't get to dismiss the sections of scripture that, that, that make my life difficult. If that were the case, we'd throw out almost all the Bible. Because there's a whole lot of scriptures. I'd be like, I don't feel that today. There was this, this past week, there was a whole lot of times where I'm like, are we sure we got to do this? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, is this really, is this really necessary? There's a lot of times as a Christian where, where, where as the songwriter said, I'm constrained 
by the gospel. That, that, that the Holy Spirit keeps me from doing the things that I want to do. There's a lot of times where I just want to go off. There's a lot of times I wish I had an honest church. There's a lot of times where I would rather cuss you out and get it over with. Because I figure if I cuss you out one good time, then you'll know. And we won't have to have this problem no more. There's a lot of times where it'd be easier for me to take my keys and write my whole apologetics and sermon in the side of your car and tell you exactly why I don't like you. Ah, I know, I know that we've got some women in here who are saved and love the Lord and you are sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost with a, or with a mighty burning fire. But I got some baseball bat ministries in here. I got some baseball bat ministries in here. Some of y'all, some of y'all are just a breath away from busting somebody's windows out. Just a breath away. I know it. I know it. I feel it in my spirit, in my spirit. <laughs> And so let's be honest. Can we be honest? You know that if you ask me, it would be easier to if I take this baseball bat upside your head, it would just everybody would be clear. And everybody would be clear. There would be no questions. There'd be no ambiguity. But this whole be a Christian thing. This whole let me try to find a way in love. To try to explain to you why I don't like you. This whole piece of let me try to explain why we can't work together without just telling you that you, mm, yeah, that, yeah, in a, in a way that maintains my character. And, and the, this fact that I got to make sure that regardless of what I'm doing and where I'm doing it, that I'm an ambassador, that I'm an agent for the Lord. So I got to make sure that I don't even want my wild and out can't even be wild. Come on, somebody. Jesus has no problem with me hanging out. Jesus has no problem with me having fun. But, but I can't wild like I used to wild. So, so there's something about my life that is constricted, that is restrained. So, so it's like this doggone dog. This dog. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The dog, the puppy. So I set out. Yeah. I set out a little piece of carpet for the dog to be on because the floor is cold. I set his toys all right there, right? So he got the rope toy. He got the chew bone toy. He got the Leonka, the one toy, the little orange toy that you, he don't even like that. It's a toy. It's too much a toy. He don't like that. He, he didn't ate up one of my house shoes. So now he's got that pair of my house shoes are his now. I've given, I've donated those to the cause, right? So, so I've set all of his toys out and he has stuff. And, and, and he can live and play. And, and the first thing he want to do is now I didn't close off this area. Or I'm saying, let's stay in this area because I got work to do. And, and you know, your, your grandmama is, is at the gym and your mama's at school. So granddaddy on duty. So just stay in this area. Don't move. Play here. And you already know that ain't working out, Right. Right. So I'm on my left. I'm like, good, Dougie. Dougie, yeah, cool. Stay there. And then next thing I know, I turn my head for 30 seconds. Now Dougie went to the front of the room, front, front of the house. I got to listen for the bell, trying to find out what a dog is. The dog is black, so the dog blends in with the fireplace. The dog lights the fireplace. I don't know where the dog is. I'm like, what's going on? Because the dog, the dog won't stay where I want him to stay. I wish I had some parents in here with newborns. And kids, they don't stay. Where you supposed to stay? I got this whole area set out for you. You got toys. You got everything you need. It's right here. But you won't stay here. 
I'm bought him all these toys, uh, Bella, and then and then I'm walking down the hallway and he's he's chewing my socks while I'm walking. I'm like, I'm gonna kick you in your mouth. Like, stop. I bought you all these, we bought you all these toys, and you want to chew on my sock. Did you see me real? Did you see me real, man? Did you see me real, man? And God says, I've made all this provision for you. I've set the place for you. I've made it comfortable for you. I've made it so that you don't have to want for nothing. You you got to go work, but you ain't got to want for nothing. I've set it up for you. But every time I turn around, you keep running down to the places that's dangerous. Every time I turn my head, you keep running back to stuff that's going to get you in trouble. You keep running back to stuff that's going to cause you pain. That's going to cause you agony. That's going to cause you defeat. That's going to cause you therapy. That's going to cost you money. That's going to cost you time. That's going to cost you energy. Every time I set you up for victory, you keep running back to defeat. I've made life comfortable for you. And you keep laying down. I got the pallet set out for Dougie. Where does he want to sleep? On the hardwood floor. Underneath the chair that rolls. So as soon as somebody moves in the chair, they're going to run his little butt over. And I've made life good for you. And instead of staying in position. Instead of being a good steward. And staying in the place that I dictated for you. That I set aside for you. You keep sleeping in dangerous places. Do I really need to break that down? You keep laying yourself down in situations that will cause you problems later on down the road. And you keep doing it even though I've set you up. Where are my honest people in this church? You know that even though things, you, you might not be rich, you might not have a whole bunch of money in your savings account, but tell the truth, God has set you up. You are better off now than you were last year. You're better off now than you were three years ago. Everything is all right for you. But here I go, leaving the comfort of God, running to the danger of my own thoughts. God says, I set you up. I invested in you. I got you toys. <laughs> God says, I got you stuff. And then you want to go bite on socks. It's time to pack, pack this up. It's time to go home. It's time to go home. Y'all ain't, y'all, if y'all ain't got it yet, it, it's time to go. That, that, that I've invested in making sure you had all the stuff you needed. Now, now, y'all got to hear me now because y'all know the, the Radcliffe household ain't rolling in dough. We ain't rolling in dough. God is great. God is good. But we ain't rolling. This dog, he got, he got the pads, got, the, got the, the, the spray, you know, to put on the pads. The dog, they had his shots. He got, today is his, his four-week anniversary. So now we got to go get him his new, new, new set of shots. So after he get these shots, now he can go hang out with, the, with other dogs, you know. <laughs> on the line. Y'all know? <laughs> Mel, did you? <laughs> I was. 
drunk, but I didn't go over. We got gas. I was good, Felicia. Thank you. Felicia, I said, I'm good, yeah. You, y'all thought, see, that's y'all. Y'all need to get saved. <laughs> Just because you thought it don't mean I said it. <laughs> Once he gets his new shots, then he can go hang out with other dogs. Then he can go out in public. You know, now we can take him in the front yard and stuff. So, look, he got, he got chew toys. He got treats. My wife, look, look, y'all. My wife didn't talk the dog a prayer. I'm just saying. So now I, I blame Leonka. Um, so now when the dog poops on the pad, when he does, you know, pees on the pad, you know, now good dog. We got the treats, you know, these organic chicken, you know, treat, you know, because he can't just have like Alpo, I guess. Can't just give him a piece of bologna, you know, <laughs> piece of Oscar Mayer here. Good dog. No, he's got the organic chicken treats, you know. And so now she makes the dog sit down and pray before the dog gets his treat and everything. The dog got food. The dog got, they, I said the dog needed a little kid. They went and got a big con- condo for the dog. The dog ain't but this big. The dog's crate is like this huge. The dog could probably add a level in there and some stairs. Put a little pat, a loft in there. <laughs> the, um, my point is, the dog has everything that the dog needs and more. But what does the dog want to do? The dog wants to chew on socks and feet. I've made you the head, not the tail. Don't forget the rest of it. Above and not beneath the lender and not the borrower. That, that I've placed you in a position where you don't have to lower yourself. You don't have to lower yourself that everything you need, I brought it to you. But you keep, oh God, I wish I didn't have no guests in here right now. You keep, let me, I'm going to use some King James language. That, that, that'll get me out of it. King James, God said this about Israel when they kept returning to other gods. He said, you kept a whoring after other gods. That, that, that we keep, that's King James, King James. That, that we keep prostituting ourselves to things that are beneath us because they give us momentary satisfaction. That, that Doug is, as a baby, he's teething, he's chew, he, he, has a, he has a need to chew, so we've bought him the things that will satisfy his urge to chew. We've shown him where your chewing is accepted. Oh, this is deep. I didn't go into the bottom of the ocean and half of y'all can't swim. I've, I've shown you where your chewing is acceptable. I've shown you where your chewing won't get you in trouble. I'm showing you where your chewing will be blessed. But you keep going and chewing after stuff that's going to get you in trouble. You keep chewing stuff that's going to get you hurt. You keep chewing stuff that's going to cost you something. God says this. If you want to argue with tithing, the problem is that you don't really have a leg to stand on. It's not in the law. It's not absent. It is in the New Testament. It is in the teaching of Christ. So we've got to make sure that either we believe the Bible or we don't. Either we believe the Bible or we don't. And if we're not going to do, if tithing is optional, then so is salvation. Then so is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Then so is the working of the power of God. Then so are the gifts of the Spirit. 
If, I mean, I'm just saying, just throw stuff out. If, if we're just picking stuff that's optional, then fornication ain't a sin. I'm just saying, we're throwing stuff out there. Then I can go ahead and get drunk. Look at your neighbor and say, the Bible makes me mad sometimes. Play me something soft. We got to get out of here. Because the Bible, it's not about, here's, here's the thing. I think we've messed up with the American church. We've made Christianity so comfortable for people. Let me show you how comfortable the Bible was for Jesus. Let me show you how comfortable the Bible was for Christians. It was so comfortable for Jesus that he got up on a cross it was so comfortable for him that, that he allowed them to arrest him. He didn't call Johnny Cochran. Come on, talk to me. He didn't call the NAACP. He didn't even choose to represent himself well. Allowed them to arrest him. Allowed them to beat him. And these weren't proverbial whoops. No, these were beatings that he felt. Allowed them to take a whip. That, according to different scholars, had either been uh, dipped in a molasses or a tar and rubbed through pieces of broken pottery or nails or glass. So that when it hit his back, it would literally hook in and pull pieces of flesh from his back. That he allowed that. Because he was so comfortable. Christianity's comfortable. And, and once his back looked like bloody ground beef, they, they put a, a fabric robe on his back. And let the blood dry through the fabric. And once the blood had congealed and, and hardened and dried, they ripped it off of his back. That Christianity is so comfortable that, that they took his Jewish beard. It wasn't all nice and tame like y'all keep seeing these Scandinavian pictures of Jesus, white Jesus. They, they took his beard, tufts of his beard, and yanked out sections of his beard. That they would blindfold him and hit him in the head with bamboo rods and say, prophesy. Tell us which one of us. Dana. Tell us which one of us. Tell us which one of us hit you since you're so deep. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. That Christianity was so comfortable. That after he had endured all of that, then they took a wooden cross. Not this nice polished wood. A splintered, rugged cross. And put it on top of his open back. And made him carry it uphill. And if that wasn't good enough... When he would fall, they went and got a black man, the Cyrene, the one from Africa, and said, you come help him. And carried that cross that by now had pieces of his back on it already. And they laid it down on Golgotha, on Calvary's hill. And they laid him down on it and, and they took iron spikes and ran it through his wrists. Through his feet. And when that wasn't enough, 
They lifted him up and dropped him into the hole in the ground. Because Christianity is comfortable. And after hours of agonizing pain, after hours of being unable to breathe, of feeling his own lungs collapsing, of, 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 of feeling the dizziness from blood loss. He still got up there and preached seven sermons. Made sure his mother had welfare. Y'all missed it. Made sure his mother had Obamacare. And then he died. I hate these, these creeds, the Nicene Creed and, and the Apostles' Creed, because they tell us that Jesus Christ was born of a Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, died and was raised. Slow down! He didn't just suffer and die. No, he suffered. He bled. He was tortured. He, he was waterboarded. He was treated like an insurgent, like a terrorist, like an enemy of the state. And then executed. Because Christianity is comfortable. And here we are in, in American Christianity in 2019. And when the pastor get up and tell us that you're going to have to break off a piece of your paycheck to show God that you appreciate the life and the sacrifice and the things that God is doing for you. We want to get mad. We don't want to hear it. But, but if Jesus broke himself off. If he gave 100 and went to the grave then how dare we, how dare we withhold a dime? A dime, y'all. At the end of the day, we're talking about a dime. A dime. I would to God. I would that God would bless my life. This is my prayer, and I've said this publicly so that y'all can hold me accountable. I would to God that God would so bless my life. That, that, that my, my, my preaching engagements on the road, that the books that I'm going to write, that the, 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 the universities that I'll teach in, that they send me so much money that I'll get to do like uh, Rick Warren did. When Rick Warren had sold millions and millions of copies of his book, of the Purpose Driven Book, he called the church office and said, I want you to go back and calculate every dollar that the church has ever paid me in salary because I'm going to pay it back. Because I want to give more than 10. So God, help me be a better steward over my 90. So I can bless you with a little bit more. And real talk. If he ain't worth a dime. What is he worth? You tell me. If it ain't a dime. You tell me. I mean, listen to our terminology. When somebody's trying to beat you off a of little pennies here and there, you say they nickel and dime in you. So if God ain't worth a dime? I'll wait. You tell me. Tithing ain't easy. Tithing ain't easy. And the more money you make, tithing becomes more and more difficult. Most of you know that I've been, I've been, I've been grinding. My schedule, my plate has been full. But, but you need to know that every time they write me a check, I write this church a check. 
and some of my tithing over the last, last, just this last month. You know what I could do with that money right now? I got a kid in college who need a car. I got another one who's in high school. You know what winter formal was? <laughs> but I'm committed, twin. We're committed. God, that, that dime, it ain't even mine. I don't get to haggle with that. I got to figure out how to live with the 90. Because the 10 ain't even mine. And to tell the truth, out the 90, I got to figure everything out and the offering. Because the 10 is not mine. And as much as we've been doing this, as long as my wife and I have been, we've been, and I mean, we've struggled. We've struggled with some stuff. Y'all know our story. We've lost some stuff. But we've never stopped tithing. It just ain't, it ain't an option. Because if I can't trust him with, with, with 10 cent, how do I trust him with my soul? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If I can't trust God with 10 cent, how in the world do I trust him to take me to heaven? Father, I know that when we talk about our money, it makes people tight. It makes people nervous. I pray that you release a spirit of generosity, of liberality. I pray that you would show us, God, that tithing is not just about money. It is also about our faith. That if I can't trust you with a dime, how do I trust you with eternal life? So, God, I'm praying first for the members of this church that have been consistent in their tithing. Not just this week or this month, but for years have been consistently undergirding the finances of this church. I pray a, an astronomical blessing on your lives. I pray double. I pray increase. I pray favor. Some of you, it's why you ain't got fired on your job yet. Some of you, it's why your business is still thriving. Some of you, your business is not thriving, but a lot of other people shut down and you're still here. It's why God has sustained you and kept you because of your liberality. God, I pray for those who, who tithe off and on. I pray that you would convince them of the necessity and the faith that they need to have in order to trust you. I pray, God, that you would allow them to see the benefit and the need for tithing. Not just the financial need for this house and for my family, but, but the fact that it is an act of faith. It is an act of trusting the God that we say that we love. And you said that rebellion, God, is as the sin of witchcraft. Help us not to be rebellious. Help us to be obedient, God. And then, God, for those that have never tithed before, those who are visitors, those who are members, I pray that visitors would, would feel comfortable tithing in their local church. I pray that members here, they would see how transparent we were. We had our business meeting Tuesday night, how transparent we are with the church's money. How we're trying to do right by you and by God. And that they would feel encouraged to tithe, to trust God, to trust their church. God, we bless you for this place. While your heads are bowed and while your eyes are closed. We're starting off this new year. Sacrificing and believing God to thrive. And if you're here. And you want to start this new year off. Maybe you want to. You're a visitor or a member. Maybe you hang out with us from time to time. 
and you want to officially make this your church home, would you just raise your hand wherever you are? You don't have to move. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Amen. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Renisha, would you get the materials? I want to thank God for the Cofield family. Uh, Brother Cofield is going to be joining.